The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jewish authorities, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and, said, and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the risen Christ, amen. amen. Last week, we heard, experienced, relived the greatest story of all time, the Easter story, the resurrection, our faith story. And so it seems to me that today is a good day to tell more stories. There is a woman named Dee Williams who lives in an 84-square-foot house in Portland, Oregon. The idea of simplifying down to a tiny house is not a new idea, but Dee's path to it caught my attention. So yesterday I went online and watched a TED Talk that she gave, and I learned that she was diagnosed with congestive heart failure 10 years ago when she was just about five years older than I am now. And she realized that she will likely die before she reaches old age. Death is not something she is afraid of, but the process of dying is. The humility needed to allow her to allow her friends to tend to her final bodily needs seems daunting. So Dee started to refocus her life. She sold her house and most of her possessions, built her little off-the-grid hut on wheels, and 
parked it in her friend's backyard. She sleeps in a loft with only a few feet above her and a huge skylight. And so she is intimately familiar with the night sky and with sunrise and with sunsets. Her skylight amplifies the sound of the rain, and she does not heat her house at night, so she is also intimately familiar with the weather. She also, she lives alone in her house with her dog, but she lives in a commune with three other households because there is her house and her friend's house and her friend's mother's house all on one small lot. And so living in community, she's had to give up some of her autonomy, and she says that this has been a gift. In her new lifestyle, Dee has found a deep well of gratitude. She shares her story with humility and gratitude, and in that, I witnessed grace in her. She ended her TED Talk by repeating those three things, the things that she says that we need more of in our lives and in our world. Grace, gratitude, and humility. Gratitude, humility, and grace. Well, that's interesting, I thought, because three other stories are on my radar this weekend, and they have a lot to do with gratitude, humility, and grace. So here they are in backwards order. Grace. We got to baptize two baby boys this morning, and they were adorable. Ten-month-old baby boys with little ties and fun little hats. Patrick and Ryan were brought to us by their parents and godparents at the 8 a.m. service to receive the sacraments of holy baptism. They were brought forward. Their grown-ups made promises to live faith-filled, love-filled, God-centered lives on their behalf. Patrick and Ryan each were washed in blessed waters, sealed by the Holy Spirit, and marked as Christ's own forever. They were given the light of Christ, and all that we did for them and with them this morning pretty much went over their heads. But honestly, a good portion of it went over my head, too. That is what happens with the mysteries of a sacramental faith, if we're honest with ourselves. I have theories, of course, about baptism. That somehow God is more infused in the molecules of water that we use for baptism and in the blessed oils that we put on the heads of those who come forward for baptism, that the Holy Spirit buzzes around this place and passes through us and through those babies and seals us all ever closer together and ever closer to God. Those are some of my theories. Humans have been trying to get closer to the truth of the nature of what it means to be members of the body of Christ through baptism for centuries. And I think that our wondering and our theologizing does illuminate something for us. But a vast portion of what is happening in baptism is still a deep mystery, and it takes a certain amount of grace to live into that mystery. It takes grace to come forward for baptism. It takes grace to trust all that we don't know and to soak up the things that we cannot fully articulate. A sacrament like baptism and the others, 
A sacrament is an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. And so it is grace that in so many ways defines today's experience of baptism. And of course, humility and gratitude are part of it as well. Humility. The gospel story today about Thomas, the one that we call Doubting Thomas, seems at first glance to be mostly about doubt, and maybe it is. I'm so glad that Tony spoke of the beauty of doubt, the importance of doubt on Easter Day, the importance of doubt in our faith. I recently heard someone else quote something about doubt. I think it was originally a quote from Bishop Bud Cederholm, but maybe he was quoting somebody else. Basically, he said that the opposite of doubt, the opposite of faith, is not doubt. The opposite of faith is certainty. If we are certain, what need do we have of faith? Faith is about being strong enough to withstand the uncontainable mysteries of all that is. Doubt is taking an honest look at that faith. Doubt is humility. Doubt is the ability to hold loosely to our personal understandings. Doubt is honest. So when Jesus appeared post-resurrection in the locked upper room where the disciples were hiding in fear, and Thomas missed out on his visit, and then insisted on being able to feel the holes in Jesus' hands and sides in order to believe that Jesus had actually been resurrected. I think Thomas was being honest. And when Jesus showed up and Thomas called him by name without needing to touch the wounds, Thomas was the picture of humility. This is as much a story of humility as it is about doubt. And of course, it is also about grace and gratitude. How could one not be full of humility, grace, and gratitude in the presence of the resurrected Christ? One more story. One of gratitude. And one that is actually not mine to tell. It is the story of another Thomas, Bishop Tom Shaw. Our retiring bishop has written a letter to all of us. A letter that is being read in all of our churches this morning. It is actually called the gratitude letter from Bishop Shaw, which is why it is the very illustration of gratitude that I want to share with you today, whether or not I had been instructed to do so, which I have been. <laughs> so here it is. Dear sisters and brothers, just a few weeks ago, I went to one of the pre-confirmation retreats at our Barbara C. Harris Camp and Conference Center. There were over 190 people present for the retreat. During my time with them, they asked me questions. They told their stories of faith, and they asked me questions about my journey in our life with Christ. We prayed some. We laughed quite a bit. And it was an opportunity for me to hear what these young people were receiving from their parishes and the Diocese of Massachusetts. As I was driving back home to Cambridge, I was soaring. And of course, because I was in the car by myself and it was quiet, God used the joy of soaring as an opportunity to draw me into my gratitude for the life of Christ given to us through our community in congregations in the diocese. 
gratitude for how God has given us through our life together, the power to bring God's power for transformation to all of Eastern Massachusetts and beyond. How for almost 20 years, I have had the opportunity to watch our community in congregations and in the diocese spread the reality of God's love across the world. For almost two hours during that drive, God brought to mind how pleased God was with all the sacrifices, vision, and dependence on God that I have experienced in the last 20 years through all of you. I sat in my car at the end of the trip in the parking lot of our monastery in Cambridge, thanking God for all of you in our diocese and what you have done to bring the reality of God into the world. Thank you for all the lives you have touched with God's love. This isn't something that has happened just once. It's happened many times over the years I have been with you. You have shown me so much over the time we have had together of the reality of God's love and the creativity in each of you and your congregations. You have expanded my knowledge and experience of God through your faithfulness. You have made scripture and creeds come alive. You have taken me to a deeper place in my life with God in prayer. Thank you. And know of my prayers for you as I leave my responsibilities as your bishop. Faithfully, M. Thomas Shaw, SSJE. Grace, humility, gratitude. May we see these things in one another. May we foster them in ourselves. May we recognize moments of grace, humility, and gratitude in this Easter season and throughout our lives. And may we be aware that we are accompanied in these moments by the risen Christ. Amen.